I had never felt disconnected from my family and friends, ever, or spending extra time with them was necessary, since there was so much time left over in my opinion, until camp came along. As a responsible and enthusiastic air cadet, of course I signed up for their summer training program, aka summer camp. For us air cadets, summer camp options were relatively limited due to the nature of our program. No one in their right mind would put a bunch of totally trustworthy and professional 15-year-olds into actual planes and gliders and expect something not to go wrong. So the genius officers of the Canadian military in charge of the cadet program came up with aviation camps, a two-stage program that teaches aviation skills without putting us in actual planes. But in order to get our interest up, they arranged a program to take place on an actual military air force base, right beside all the cool fighter jets and tech helicopters that has absolutely nothing to do with us. So there I was, the lucky one out of 200 others in my squadron to get the very honorable offer to attend that 2019 summer training program at Comox Air Force Base on Vancouver Island. Super excited as many would have expected. For one, I have finally beaten my terrible luck and gotten a spot out of 200 other equally capable, if not more lucky, competitors. But also, I have gotten the news that one of my longtime good friends from another squadron was also fortunate enough to get into the same program as I have. At that time, I thought to myself, "What an amazing and memorable summer this will be—a three-week vacation far from my parents on a military base with one of my best buddies is nothing." But something straight out of my fantasy. But it was only March. The camp won't take place till four months later in early July. The excitement in me eventually dulled out by the long wait and the abundant amount of schoolwork I had to do till 2 a.m. every single night. Though I thought to myself, the great times I would have at camp after this tragic period in my life, and that kept me going till sunrise. Things took a turn eventually, an unexpected 180 that spun me around from catching the first glimpse of sunlight shining through the endless darkness of schoolwork to seeing myself right on the edge of the cliff of doom. The first sign of that was a message: my dear friend's flight back to Vancouver from a competition was delayed and eventually cancelled, meaning there's no way except for magic for him to get back in time to attend this camp. But That was just one small setback in my attitude towards this upcoming event. After all, there's still plenty to hope for. The night before the trip to the base, I got a solid three hours of sleep, while responsibly waking up every half an hour or so to check the packed bag in order to make sure everything, useful or not, is well packed. The trip to the base includes a bus ride to the ferry, the ferry to the island, and last but not least, another multi-hour bus ride to the actual base. The whole trip, I was paired up with another girl who sat beside me very awkwardly. Despite my effort to start up a conversation so the trip is less grueling, after some even more awkward small talks, I completely gave up and laid back in my seat, pretending to be asleep for the rest of the 10 hours. And. There were about 30 others with me on that specific bus, all headed to the same base, 
and all going to be in my unit for the next three weeks. The first week was the most uncomfortable. My sleeping schedule had to be changed, from sleeping at midnight and waking up the next morning at 10 a.m. to a more military standard of sleeping at 10 and getting up at 6. A hard process, but the inhumanely hard bunk made it so much easier. After getting dressed, brushing my teeth, and making my bed, we were to form up as a unit at exactly 06:45, the military way of saying 6:45 a.m. Then it was marching to breakfast. Having breakfast and uniform inspections, all would be done by 7:45. Then we would march across the base to a training building to attend classes from 8 till 11:40. Then we would march back for lunch. Then march back to the training building again immediately right after lunch for even more classes. The classes would finally end at five, and marching back to dinner was probably the easiest one we have all day long. After dinner. We would have free time from six till lights out at ten. Most spend their time studying the material we learned during the day, and the ones that are done would be out playing sports. Life was fine until on Thursday of the first week, I felt a chill going up my spine during the morning uniform inspection. At first, I thought it was a morning breeze, but not much time later, I was literally dragged to a military hospital on the base for passing out during an exam due to a cold which started an intense fever. For the rest of the day, I did not attend any of the training and stayed in bed for 16 hours until the next day. Except for the experience of nearly dying, the first week was relatively fine since we just got there and was full of energy. But the second week was not so much. On that week, we had an average of two exams a day. And had to prepare and teach a lesson to our peers as an evaluation. Let me tell you, 14 tests on different subjects of aviation while preparing to teach a group of students for the first time in your life can really break some people down. Most of us only got four hours of sleep a day during that set week, studying till two in the morning and waking up just four or even three hours later to get ready for another physically and mentally demanding day. Many more fall ill and had to take days off. But the week eventually passed. At that point, everyone was eager to go home. The mental stress on everyone's mind was intense. Any remotely unpleasant behavior by anyone would burst into an argument. Since fights can cost you more than crashing your dad's brand new car, most of the time these arguments would last as long as the officers didn't intervene. No one wanted to spend an extra day on this base. The last week, even though being extra chill with almost no more classes, was subjectively speaking the week that broke the most people. The fact that even though no more training was needed, in itself was a trigger point. Despite the fact that all training has been done, we could not do the one thing we wanted the most—to go home. Every day, marching by the gate of the base, everyone had the urge to bust out that gate, running down to the ocean and swim across the channel to get back home. To be fair, though. The officers was extra nice the last week, tolerating our behavior that would normally get a reply of screams. And finally, the last day came. It was happy and sad to finally go home after three weeks of torture, but also sad at the same time, 
seeing some of our great friends that have supported us during the three weeks gone home and never to be seen again by us due to the vast distance that's between us and them. There was a particularly sad scene when a new couple who managed to start a meaningful relationship during their short three weeks, having to say goodbye to their partners, very possibly forever. Despite all living by the coast, the Pacific and the Atlantic was never close enough together for them to ever meet again. Now reflecting back on my experience at camp, the reason I and many others felt disconnected was not because we couldn't talk to our friends to check what's going on or to check online. We had perfect access to the internet the whole time and had plenty of time to call home every day to chat about what's going on. The real problem is the exact opposite. Because we could see and talk to those who are not in camp, we could see their life outside but unable to do anything about it. It really made it much worse than it already is. It is like a man starving to death while watching people feast in a luxurious restaurant. It is that exact feeling of separation that made us lonely, sad, and even severely depressed. But at the same time, showing me what could happen if my family or friend were to be gone forever. And social media simply is not the replacement for real life. Today, due to that separation and feeling of disconnection I experienced, I now cherish my time with my family and friends more than ever. It was never privileged to me, and even though it still isn't, I will forever treat it like it is. Just like the quote from Ray Charles, live every day like it's your last. <laughs>